Andrew Womack Ministries presents this message titled, Priorities for Women. We pray that the Word of God will come alive in your heart as you listen. Well, this is a real blessing to be here with you. And uh, I'll just have to admit to you, um, I never prepare anything. And there's a number of reasons for that, but one is that it's possible you get all prepared and then God gives you something else and you're hesitant about following the leading. And so I just don't ever do that. And, uh, and God gives me something to say. But a, a drawback to it is that when the Lord gives you something to say that you wished you weren't going to say, I hadn't got any alternative. I hadn't got any plan B or any other notes. And so... Uh, Anyway, I feel led this morning to share some things with you that's not very, very popular at all to say in a ladies' group. I wished I wasn't saying this. And uh, it would come a lot better if it was from a woman instead of from a man. It looks like the Lord made a mistake, but I feel like I'm among friends, all right? And I believe that you're going to love me anyway. Yeah, yeah. But I'm going to share some things about a woman's place, a woman's position. And I really feel that the Lord uh, impressed on me to share this, and I know that this uh, potentially could rub somebody the wrong way. I'm, I love women, all right? I'm married to one. <laughs> I haven't got a thing against women. And I have a woman preacher invite me here. I haven't got a thing against women preachers, all right? I am not a male chauvinist. But, you know, it seems like that... Uh, I've, I've seen this in a lot of areas, not just concerning women, but in every area of the gospel I've ever seen. People are in one extreme over here, and when they get set free, it's, it, uh, Bob Boos calls it like the pendulum swings, and it's like a pendulum. They're in an extreme over here, and when they get free, they swing all the way to an extreme over here. And there begins to be abuses, and there always has to be a course correction along the way. God wants us in the middle. God wants us founded on His Word, and there's always the tendency to overreact and to come from one extreme to another extreme. And I really see this in the body of Christ, especially where women are concerned. Because it hadn't been too long ago that women weren't allowed to do anything. Women had no place whatsoever, and women have experienced a tremendous amount of freedom in ministry and in receiving from God, and that's good. But there are extremes, and there are abuses, and I find a lot of women that are really frustrated and that are having problems uh, from pressure put on them, things that God didn't call them to do. And so anyway, there's some things from God's Word that I believe we can share on and that will benefit you. Amen? And so I want you to love me anyway. I want you to know that I share this same thing to men all of the time. I'm not picking on women. Men have restrictions on them. Uh, anybody that was at our service last night, I was talking about uh, our number one priority was knowing God. And then beyond that, our number two priority is our relationship with our mate. Number three would be our relationship with our children. And then on down the line is ministry or whatever. And that applies to men, but it also applies to women. And you know, there's an attitude crept into the church, and uh, I hope that it isn't prevalent here. I might get run out of town on a rail, all right? But there is an uh, uh, attitude prevalent in the church today that women basically, boy, just bow their neck restrictions whatsoever upon women. No, sir, I'm free. I'm liberated. I'm not oppressed. Well, there's restrictions on men. There's restrictions on everybody. And there are restrictions on women. And there are limits to what you do. And there are limits to things. And uh, that is not to uh, infringe on anybody's freedom. That's for your own benefit. 
If you don't learn restrictions, if you don't learn to submit, if you don't learn to find the place that God has for you, I tell you what, you can really frustrate yourself. I've seen a tendency for this in myself, and praise God, I believe God's helped me to deal with it, but I see this so much in a lot of ministers that they have a, a goal out there of reaching and obtaining what they consider success, like certain number of radio stations, certain number of television stations, or certain uh, size of church, or on and on you could go, all of the things that they put down. And they get this goal, and they get driven to obtain what they consider success, and many of them are destroying their health, they're destroying their joy, they're destroying their families, they're destroying everything that God's given us. They can't even enjoy the things that God's given us because they're so motivated towards success. That attitude's prevalent in our society today, and it's crept right into the church realm. I was listening to a guy on the radio this morning. Now, these radio preachers, boy, you can't trust them, amen? <laughs> Those of you who don't know me, I'm a radio preacher, all right? I'm not against radio preachers, but I'm saying that this guy was in there, and what he was doing was building his kingdom. I mean, boy, he was lifting it up. He was telling everybody to give to him, give to him, and help him do this. And he was using the Lord to simply build his kingdom. He was using the name of the Lord. And I tell you, I believe that stuff stinks in the nostrils of God. And there's a lot of people doing that. And there's a lot of women that have also taken the freedom that they have in the Lord and the fact that you can minister and that you can do things and that you're using that as an excuse to simply satisfy your own ego, to build your own things, and it's frustrating. I tell you, freedom in Christ is being what God wants you to be, not what somebody else wants you to be. It's wrong if you think that you can't do anything and that you've got to be stereotyped and you've got to be where you cannot minister. That's wrong. But on the other end, it's wrong if you feel pressure that you have a desire to be a wife and to be a mother and that's your desire and that you feel embarrassed to admit that, well, I'm just a housewife and that you don't have some great ministry, and that you don't have a career, that you don't have a goal. And there's women that are under pressure that feel like, man, they're, uh, they're embarrassed to admit that. And I tell you, if that's what God called you to be, you'll never be happy being anything else. And so you've got to find God's place, whether it's with a large ministry, whether it's uh, working in your church, whether it's being at home or doing whatever, you've got to find God's place. And true victory in the Christian life is just being what God called you to be, and not above it, not below it. Just right on target. Amen? And there's an attitude, I believe, that has uh, put women in a position where really there's a lot of pressure on you today to uh, succeed and to do a lot of things. And God may want to use some of you in those ways, just like God may use me, you know, on radio and television and doing different things. But not everybody's called to do that. And if people look at me and everybody wants to be like me, man, you're going to wind up frustrated. You're going to wind up depressed, discouraged, bummed out because not everybody calls God. I mean, not God calls everybody to do what he's called me to do. And so you just got to find that place. I tell you, I've reached a position with the Lord that if God wanted me to go back to pouring cement and holding Bible study, man, I'd just love it. It'd be great, really. I don't have any ambition. And there's a lot of people that think, brother, that's terrible. You've got to be success-oriented. Man, especially here in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, amen. We have all these success clinics and success this and success that. Well, I believe in success, and I'm not talking about being not motivated. But I, my idea of success is being what God wants me to be. And if God wants me to be Joe Blow over here, you know, holding a Bible study in my home, ministering to two or three people, well, then that's success if I fulfill what God wants me to do. If God doesn't want me to be on radio and television, I don't care if I do it better than anybody else. I am not a success because I missed God's plan for my life. 
And so you've got to find God's plan for your life. Amen? God's plan for your life. I have no idea where to start on this. Let's turn over to Titus chapter 2. And we'll begin there. First of all, I need to mention this. Whether you like this or not, there is a difference between men and women. Not only physically is there a difference, emotionally there is a difference. God created us different. And praise God that he did. I mean, boy, if, if, if everybody had the personality of a man, this would be a rotten place. Can you imagine how dirty this world would be? <laughs> I mean, I'm a neat person, but boy, my wife, she just does things around the house that I'd never do. We got these little wooden ducks up and down our steps. Everything's decorated. We got things hanging from the beams in our ceiling. I like it. It's great. But boy, I'd have never, never, never in a million years would I have felt like doing something like that. I mean, she's got a different aptitude for things than I do. And I enjoy it, and it really makes our house neat. I remember when I lived in Vietnam. You should have seen how I lived in Vietnam for 13 months. There wasn't any women around. And I mean, it looked like an old bunker that a whole bunch of bachelors lived in. That's exactly what it was. I mean, we're different, not only physically, but emotionally, our desires and things like that. And God has also given us different responsibilities. You know, when, when God created Adam and Eve, I believe that God created, well, I know the word says God created Adam first. And then he saw that it wasn't good for the man to be alone. And he made a help meet for him, a help sufficient for him. He took the woman out of his rib, uh, put him to sleep, took a rib out of him. And did you know that Adam wasn't complete anymore, totally by himself? I believe that before God created Eve, Adam was complete in himself. He had everything that it took. But I believe that when God took that rib out, he took more than just a rib, but he also took some of those personality traits, some of those things, and put them into the woman so that the man and the woman complement each other. They are not the same. Man, if you're wanting equal rights, well, equal rights are fine, but not equality, not sameness. That's not right, and that's where that thing breaks down. There, there's a difference. And a woman shouldn't be treated as a man. A woman has different needs than a man has. And it's wrong to treat a woman as you treat a man. It's wrong to put a woman in the same situation as you put a man in. They're totally different uh, in their makeup and in their ability to cope with things, do things like this. And so God made us different. And you, not, you need to recognize that. Therefore, God also gave us different responsibilities. There are certain responsibilities in the Word of God associated with a man that a woman doesn't have. And if a woman moves over and tries to assume the responsibilities of a man, she's going to wind up frustrated. She's going to wind up not doing it as well. You know, I travel a lot of different places, and I go to some churches, and I see pastors sometimes with these churches where people just love them. And I mean, they've got a base of support. They can come to a group of people and say, man, this God told me to go on television. They've got a thousand people going to rally around them, you know. Uh, I don't have a base of support other than radio, and I've made a decision. I'm not going to come on the radio and beg and bawl and squall and plead and do things like this, so I just don't have it. And uh, any, anyway, as I travel around, I sometimes see these ministers, and I think, boy, wouldn't it be nice to be a pastor? Wouldn't it be nice to do this? I'd sure like to have what they have and all of this. But did you know, I know that I'm only going to be blessed and prospered as I do what God called me to do. And I can't pick and choose and see this guy over here and say, man, I want to be like him, so therefore I'm going to assume this. If I get out of where God called me to be and try and do something else, I don't care if it's working for somebody else, 
If I try and do it, I'm going to fail. I've got to stay where I'm anointed to be. If I get out of what I'm anointed to do, then I am in the flesh. And I tell you, the flesh is not going to profit. The Bible says in John 6, 63, the flesh profiteth nothing. And so you've got to make sure that you're doing what God called and anointed you to do. And God has anointed men with certain tasks, responsibilities. He's anointed women for certain tasks and responsibilities. Now, I'm sure that I'm speaking to somebody in here that you're divorced, your husband's left you, etc., on and on goes, and there's, there can be exceptions to what I'm talking about. You may have been thrust into a role that you don't want, and yet, nonetheless, you're having to do some things. But perfectly, ideal speaking, the Lord ordained that the man should be the one that provides for the needs of the family. God ordained that the man should be the one that's out there in the work world uh, striving and, and making the living. That's the way that God ordained that it should be. I believe that God's given man an aptitude for that that a woman doesn't have. Now, that's not to say that a woman can't prosper in the business world. You can see uh, proof of it. You can see women that do it. But I tell you what, it's an, it's an abnormal situation. It is not God's best. There's a lot of things you can do. There's a lot of things I could do and prosper at it. But again, I'm not shooting for second best. I'm not just wanting to see what I can do. I want to find God's best for me. I tell you, God's best for a woman isn't to be out there knocking their head in, against the wall like a man does. That is not God's blessing on you. The Bible says in 1 Timothy chapter 5, speaking to the men, it says that if any provide not for his own, especially for those of his own house, he is worse than an infidel and hath denied the faith. I mean, God puts it pretty straight, pretty clear. It is a man's responsibility to provide for that home. It's a man's responsibility to provide for the needs of that house. And did you know that in our society today, that has become nearly uh, something that is past, over with? I don't remember the exact statistics, but it's very close to over 50% of all households today have working women that are gone. Did you know God didn't call you to do that? Now, I am not saying you're sinning if you're working. I am not saying that you are in rebellion towards God, but I'm saying that you've exposed yourself to an area that God didn't really call you to do. There may be some necessity sometimes that will dictate that, but the majority of the cases I see, it's not necessity at all. It's women who have a desire for a bigger house, bigger cars, more expensive this and more expensive that, and the way they get it is by going out and compromising what God really called them to do. A lot of places you'd be better off to simply draw back and do with less to have God's blessing on that marriage. Amen? amen. Thank you for that thunderous amen. Oh, y'all like this, don't you? Now, I'm not saying that a woman can't do something else, but there are priorities. A man has priorities. All right? And a very high priority on a man's list is to provide for that home. I mean, if he doesn't provide for it, he's worse than an infidel and has denied the faith. You'll never, 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 never in Scripture find that a woman has that responsibility. That is a man's responsibility. It is not the woman's responsibility. And if you assume it, you're taking on pressure. You're opening yourself up to things that Satan is going to use against you to hinder you and to destroy that marriage. We have one of the highest divorce rates that has ever been in the history of the world. And did you know that a lot of it is ascribed directly to women who are no longer ministering to their homes the way that they should? The priority in a woman is, of course, your relationship to God, number one, your relationship to mate, and then your relationship to your children and responsibilities at home. 
And that's not to say you can't do something outside of home, all right? I'm trying to explain this so nobody will get me wrong, but I'm saying that you can't do anything outside the home until you, first of all, meet those responsibilities that God's given you. It's the same thing with me. I've got a responsibility to my home, and I can't minister outside the home until I've, first of all, got things in order. The Bible says over there in Timothy, talking about the qualifications of an elder, it says that if you don't know how to rule your own house, you have no business over the church of God, over the house of God. I've got to, first of all, be faithful in my house before I can be faithful out ministering anywhere else. Did you know that we don't adhere to that for men either? If y'all were to put your elders up against the standard of the word, the vast majority of them don't meet that. Ministers have some of the sorriest homes around. That's the truth, and I know because I'm a minister, and I minister to a lot of ministers. We have ministers' marriage seminars. Bob. Nichols and I are holding a minister's marriage seminar in Colorado this summer. It'd do you good to send your pastor there or whatever. Get set free. But we have minister's marriage seminars. And did you know most ministers' marriages stink? And it's because they put so much of themselves into their church and into ministering to other people that they'll deny their family in a second for the sake of reaching somebody else. I mean, they'll have a vacation plan and somebody will die or, or a wedding come up or something. They'll cancel their vacation. Family's always on the back burner because the church makes all of these demands on them, etc. Did you know you can't do that? Jesus, in a couple of instances, told people to say, let the dead bury their dead. Man, you follow me. He told other people, I mean, while the multitudes were thronging him, he told his disciples, let's get out of here. We need to go rest. He withdrew. He had priorities. Yes, we're concerned about people. Yes, I love people. Yes, I have a compassion for people. But there's got to be priorities in everything you do. And men have to have priorities. And most men do not put their families first. Most ministers don't put their families first. And it's so easy, see, to justify a minister doing it. If you were out there working a 20-hour day, you wouldn't do that. Man, there's no job worth it. But you know what? Ministers normally will work 20-hour days or whatever because, man, their cause is so noble. It's so easy to justify their cause. But I guarantee you, families will, will uh, fail just the same as anything else. Billy Sunday, one of the greatest evangelists that ever lived, led hundreds of thousands of people to the Lord on his deathbed, was in torment and screaming out, My God, my God, I've led the world to Christ and sent my own sons to hell. And he had two sons that died alcoholic, totally rebellious towards God. Oral Roberts has got a son that was an alcoholic and committed suicide because he said, God took my dad away from me, and if that's the way God is, I want nothing to do with God. God didn't call Oral Roberts to do that. I love Oral Roberts. I'm not criticizing him, but I'm saying he's a man. He made a mistake. I can name you lots of people. One of the leading evangelists that probably every person in here would know, uh, there's a friend of mine that I was with, and, and this evangelist had to send their son to him to live with them for 18 months because the son was so incorrigible. They couldn't handle him. They couldn't do anything with him. So this son, uh, this great famous evangelist, came and lived with them for 18 months. And this man would go out, and as he, threw, as he played basketball with him and with his sons and stuff, this boy just break down and cry and says, My dad's never played basketball with me. My dad never threw a ball with me. My dad never did any of these things. And it just broke this guy's heart. And the guy died of cirrhosis of the liver, an alcoholic. Now, I believe he was born again, but he was not serving God. He was in rebellion towards God. They called up this great evangelist and told him about his son dying. And this guy says, well, that's the price you have to pay for being in the ministry. And I want you to know that that is not the price you have to pay. God didn't call me to sacrifice my family. God didn't call you to sacrifice your family. There's priorities for men and for women. And I guarantee you, a woman has a greater 
responsibility to the home than the man does because God gave the man a responsibility to go out and provide the living and that leaves a lot of areas uncovered and so therefore the woman has a responsibility. Here in Titus, if you hadn't found this yet, you might as well quit looking. Amen. <laughs> in Titus chapter 2, it says in verse 1, But speak thou the things which become sound doctrine, that the aged man be sober, grave, temperate, sound in faith, in charity, in patience. The aged women likewise, that they be in behavior as becometh holiness, not false accusers, not given to much wine, teachers of good things, that they may teach the younger women to be sober, to love their husbands, to love their children, to be discreet, chaste, keepers at home, good, obedient to their own husbands, that the word of God be not blasphemed. Now the Bible calls this sound doctrine. This is not popular today. Well, you go to saying something about being a keeper at home and women, oh, brother, you are, you're infringing on my rights and privileges. I'm not saying you can't do something outside the home, all right? My wife ministers. I haven't got any problems with Jean ministering, but I tell you what, if her home's out of order and because she's ministering, then she's wrong. I don't care who you are. There are responsibilities and there are priorities, and our culture today is not adhering to these things at all. Women are looking at it like, man, I'm not going to waste my life being at home, taking care of my kids, ministering and doing housework and wasting all my skills and all of my abilities. I'm just wasting my talents. Well, boy, you've been sold a bill of goods. You'll never, never, never have a more important ministry than your husband or than your wife and your children. You'll never have anything that will supersede that. That's the most important thing. Did you know I'll never influence you? I don't care how many tapes you listen to, how many radio programs you listen to. I'll never touch your life the way I'll touch my two children. My two children are going to be the greatest, the greatest reflection of who I really am. I'll never affect anybody the way I affect them. If the Lord tarries, I guarantee you, Joshua and Peter could be responsible for reaching tens of millions of people, whereas I might reach thousands. I have no greater responsibility than that. You are not wasting your time. And I'm going to say some things. I hope you don't get mad at me. I am not criticizing. There could be extenuating circumstances. Some of you may feel like you have no options, etc. But I guarantee you, it is one of the greatest sins of our day, of our culture, that we have what are called latchkey children, that we have children that are being brought up by daycare centers. God never gave a single person in here a command for somebody else to bring your children up. If somebody else is bringing your children up, man, you cannot stand on the promises of God's Word that you're training them up properly. You can't stand on those things. You may be able to intercede for them the same as you would somebody else, but you have shirked your responsibility. God gave you a command to train your children up. He didn't tell you to send them back to Egypt to get it done. God gave you the command to do it. And one of the reasons that we got so many problems today is because women, and men likewise, but women are not taking that responsibility. They're outside the home making extra bucks so that they can bless their kids with something. And the kids don't need more toys, and they don't need bigger and more expensive toys. Kids needs, need parents. Kids need mothers. Kids need people there to love them. Boy, if you love a kid, I guarantee you a kid will turn out all right. They aren't that hard if you love them. But, you know, I've seen people, I've got a niece that grew up calling her woman that took care of her during the day, called her mother because she spent so much time with her. Boy, that would break my heart. 
God never called any of you to do that. Man, if your kids are having to be farmed out someplace else, you have shirked the responsibility that God gave you. God didn't call you to do that. Well, brother, but how could we make our payments? We'll sell that expensive house and get something you can live on. But, well, see, what you're doing, you're exalting your standard of living above your children, and I guarantee you it's not worth it. God's given us some responsibilities. And did you know when a man is out working, I, I, uh, I have worked nearly every kind of job you can work, all right, so I can relate to that. But even in the ministry, it takes a tremendous amount out of I me. Mean, I've got a lot of work to do. I mean, I have more to do than what is humanly possible for a person to do. And I've been praying, and God just this last week or so gave me supernatural revelation on how to manage my time because I was really oppressed in that area. I didn't have enough time to get things done. I go to the office, and I've got 15 full-time staff people working for me and about 15 volunteers or something that are in there all of the time. And, and uh, you may not think that's much, but, boy, that's more than I can handle. And, we, and uh, every time I come in off the road and go to ministry, you know, somebody's had their feelings hurt. This has happened. Somebody hadn't treated them. And I'm dealing with these problems, and I'm dealing with all kinds of things. Plus, I come in, and I've got more to do than what I can handle. And, and all of these things tend to grate on you. They really do. And did you know, when I come home, my wife ministers to me. My wife has a ministry. And some of you may not have ever heard a man say this before, so it's good that I'm saying this, all right? But I can come home, and I don't care how bad the day's been, if everybody's been on my case, if it looks like everybody up there is just acting totally petty, and if all of these things have gone wrong, I can come home, and you know, when I walk in... Well, my wife's been cooking. She's got a cake or cookies or something like that. And you may not relate to this, but I tell you what, that can overcome a million problems. Just coming home, smelling some food, cooking, and knowing that there's somebody there that loves you, it can make all of your problems just totally go. You don't realize how important just being there is. Now, if the woman is out working and experiencing the same problems and she's under the same frustrations and she comes home and she's all bummed out, now who's going to build her up? And matter of fact, when she comes home, then she's expected to come in there and fix some food and do some things and all that does is build resentment. Like, man, I've been out working the same as you have. How come I come home? Now I've got to wash. Now I've got to clean clothes. Now I've got to fix the food. And you begin to get bitterness and resentment. And did you know that there's a lot of divorces that have happened because the woman felt like she was having more demands placed on her? Because, not because it was wrong for her to fix the food and clean the house, but it was because she was out there doing what the man should have been doing. And God didn't make you to be able to handle all of it. Anybody that feels like, well, man, I'd just be bored at home. I don't have anything to do. Well, you have never understood what a woman's supposed to do at home. Anybody that feels bored is crazy. I guarantee you, my wife has a full-time job. My wife doesn't have any extra time to be doing anything. If you feel that you don't have anything to do at home, then you aren't ministering to your family properly. If you begin to start taking that home as a ministry and doing it as a ministry, it is a full-time job. I wouldn't trade with my wife for nothing, amen? I guarantee you, it's busy. It takes time. It is a full-time ministry. The Bible says over in Matthew chapter 8 where Jesus ministered to Peter's mother-in-law and she had a fever and Jesus ministered to her, stood over and rebuked the fever and it says that the fever left her and she rose up and ministered unto them. Now, what do you think that they did? Did she sit Jesus down and say, all right, you listen to me, and got out the Torah and began to preach to him? 
began to quote scriptures to Jesus? No, when the scripture says that she ministered unto them, did you know it is a ministry, the things that God has given you to do? It's a ministry to minister unto your husband, to minister unto your children. It's a ministry. Now, it's not the only ministry that a woman can have. I don't have a problem with a woman out doing something else as long as she's got her first ministry taken care of. Your first ministry is to that home. And if you don't look at it as a ministry, I see women all the time that are frustrated. I just don't have a ministry. I feel like I ought to be doing something for God. Well, cook the meals in love, amen, and love your husband and clean the house and give those children some love and some compassion if you want a ministry. That's a ministry. That's an important ministry. It's a vital ministry. You know, my wife, not long after we got married, she was ironing my clothes one day. She, I, she's either ironing or folding clothes. I can't remember. But anyway, I heard her in there, and she was just praising God. And I walked in and said, what are you doing? And she said, oh, I... She was just excited, praising God. And I said, what are you praising God about? And she said, it is such a blessing to be your wife and to minister to you. And she was blessed. She got fulfillment out of ministering to me. She saw that that was something that God had called her to do. And did you know because of it, she's fulfilled. My wife is constantly, constantly being asked to minister places. She is an excellent teacher. She's a lot better than I am. Her, my most requested tapes are Jamie's tapes on child training. We get more requests for those than anything else. And she's an excellent minister. But did you know Jamie only ministers about once a year, and I have to pull teeth to get her to do it then because she says, you know, that someday when the kids are gone or something, she may do it more. But right now, she is just full-time my wife. That's what she wants to be. That's what she's fulfilled. In. And she is continually, people are looking down at her. Oh, why aren't you like Gloria Copeland out here ministering? Well, Gloria Copeland, I don't know what her home situation is, but I know that Jamie just feels that she's got things to do at home that are priorities to her. And she gives priority to it. And she looks at it as a ministry. And she is fulfilled by being at home. If there are any of you that resent that and feel like I'm just wasting my talents and ability, I'm at home wasting away doing nothing, then you've never seen it as a ministry. You've never begun to use that as a ministry. And I promise you, you aren't going to reap any blessings off of it until you begin to see things that God's given you to do the way that God looks at it. You know, if I looked at what I'm doing as just a job, and if I looked at it as something I had to do and didn't see that it was a ministry and something that I'm fulfilling a call of God on my life, I wouldn't reap the benefit out of it that I do. But man, I love to minister because it's what God's called me to do. If you would look at those things and recognize that there may be other things God's called you to do, but there is nothing else that will ever supersede your ministering to your husband and ministering to your children. If you would see that, I tell you, you would begin to experience a new fulfillment, a new joy, a new peace by being what God called you to be. And boy, this, I believe, needs to be shouted from the housetops today because women's ERA attitude has crept into the church. And it's not necessarily demanding certain things that the ERA realm does, but now we're demanding equality of ministry, and I've got to have a ministry, and I need to be able to do this and this and this. Well, yeah, you can do any of that as long as you get your priorities straight. But, but women have gotten to a place where they aren't seeing the importance of what God's called them to do. It's putting pressure on you. And I'll say another thing that I know is not real popular, all right, but I do not believe that God gave women the personality to be able to handle the stress and the pressures that are out there in the world. God gave your husband to you as protection, as a covering. The Bible says over in 1 Peter chapter 3, a very famous passage of Scripture, familiar to all women, right? Everybody loves this one. It says that you're supposed to 
Give honor unto the wife as unto the weaker vessel. A woman is a weaker vessel than a man. Not physically. Physically, you can prove that women can outperform men in certain things. It's talking about their emotional makeup. God made a woman different. God did not make a woman to suffer the pressures and the things that a man encounters. God doesn't want a woman to be hard enough to be able to knock it and slug it out in the business world. God doesn't want you to be that way. I believe you can adapt. Yeah, you can succeed, but I tell you what, you aren't going to prosper and be all that God called you to be. God didn't mean for you to be harsh, to be mean, to be able to do those same things that a man can prosper in and get by with. God made you with a different aptitude. And I tell you what, you're frustrating the, the plan of God in your own life when you get away from those simple things that God called you to do. A woman can't bear a lot of that stress the same way, and God didn't want you to. And so if the man's out working and he comes home all bummed out, and if the woman's out working and she comes home all bummed out, I guarantee you they're just going to grate on each other. A woman ought to be at a place where, man, you can stay at home. And even though you're busy and even though you've got things to do, you can keep your mind stayed on God. You can worship. You can listen to radio. You can listen to television. You can listen to tapes while you're working and doing things. You can be so built up and encouraged in the Lord that when your husband comes home, man, you're there to build him up, to minister to him. You can be the one behind the man that makes him what he's supposed to be. But you know, there has been an attitude developed, and it's not just in women, it's in all of us, but it's a self-centered attitude. It's a promotion of self. The reason there are so many divorces today is because people are self-centered. People are seeking their own thing. I thought I was going to minister this morning on strife, which I, I turned out not doing it, but you ought to get a tape that I've got on the subject of strife. The Bible says, Proverbs 13, 10, only by pride comes contention. The only way that you can have strife is by pride, and pride is simply self-centeredness, selfishness. That's the only way that it comes. And you know why there is such a high divorce rate today is because we no longer have merged and become one flesh. We've each got our own careers. We've each got our own bank account. We're each this. We've become two separate individuals, and we are not functioning as one anymore. We're functioning as individuals, and if you get two individuals trying to live together, it won't work. That's the reason God made us one. That's the reason God put us together. And there is a greater degree of submission on the woman's part. Now, there's a submission on the man's part, it says in Ephesians chapter 5. We're supposed to submit ourselves one to another. But I tell you, a woman especially ought to be just given over to that man to help make him all that he's supposed to be. Let it be his career that prospers. Now, that's not to say that you couldn't have your own career if God told you to do that and if it works out. But if there comes to any choice, any push or pull about... Should we go, this man's got an opportunity to move and get a promotion and do this, but you've got your own career. And if that even causes a hesitation, a reservation about what should we do, you're out of line. I guarantee you, man, you ought to be there to serve that man, to minister unto him, to love him, to make him what he's supposed to be. And you ought to get fulfillment out of seeing him fulfilled. Oh, that's popular. Everybody loves that, don't they? But did you know that it's just nothing but a lot of selfishness, a lot of self-centeredness, the humanism that we speak against in the schools so much and we criticize is right there in Christian homes. 
my career, my thing, my this and my that. Of course, a husband has a responsibility too to love his wife, to nourish her and to cherish her. And I guarantee you, I'd never just demand this of my wife. I love her and I'd consult her. We do things, we're one. We make joint decisions. But if it comes to push and pull, all right, and if we can't agree on something, I guarantee you, I know who'd win and I know that my wife would submit to me. You know, su submission is another area, and I ain't got time to teach on this, but did you know submission is not something that is done to you? Submission is something that you do. You can demand things of people. You can make them comply. But you cannot make a person submit. It's impossible. And some of the abuses that we've heard about women being in submission to their husband is where the husband rules over them and demands this of them and stuff. That's not submission at all. And that's not what God's talking about. Submission is something that comes out of the woman. It is a voluntary thing. You can never, never, never make a person submit. Submission is not something done to you. It's something that comes out of your heart. There's a lot of you that maybe have obeyed, maybe you have gone along with, and yet you have never submitted. There has never been this attitude in your heart of just joyfully uh, submitting to your husband and ministering unto him. And I guarantee you that causes a lot of problems. I got a very close relationship and, where I'm people that I'm friends with. And the woman, she can quote all of the scriptures to you about submission. She can tell you about submission. I mean, her husband moves and she moves with him. She's let her teaching career and all of these kind of things take back seat. As far as obedience, she has complied. But I've been in their home and like... Uh, you know, there was 20-something people staying with them over Christmas. We were all there. I mean, it was a tremendous chore to take care of everybody. And the man got up, fixed breakfast for everybody every morning. I mean, it's not like he just demanded things of her. He did it. And one day she was sitting around just shooting the breeze and talking. And so he asked her to come in and help him do something, to get something out of the fridge or do something. And she says, well, I guess I will. And she says, I guess I'll submit. And she came in. But I mean, the whole attitude behind it was she did what he told her to do, but there never was submission. Never was submission. It was criticism. It was rebellion the whole time. And did you know that that has turned a lot of men off to the Lord? It has turned a lot of people off. And a lot of women haven't been able to see the difference between just straight out obedience and submission. They are not synonymous. And this also is an explanation about, you know, should I obey my husband if he tells me to commit something that's ungodly? No, God never told you to obey ungodly commands. He told you to submit. And submission and obedience aren't the same. Peter's the one that wrote 1 Peter chapter 3 about women submitting unto their husbands. And he says, likewise, ye wives, be in subjection unto your husbands. If you take likewise and go back into the second chapter of 1 Peter, you'll find out Peter was saying likewise in the same sense as you obey all those who have authority over you. Now remember who wrote this. Peter's the one who wrote it. And Peter, by example, showed us that when he was commanded not to preach the gospel anymore in the name of the Lord, he says, you judge yourself who's right whether we should obey God or should obey men. Peter never obeyed a command to quit preaching the gospel, and yet he said submitting to them. See, submission and obedience aren't the same. He never obeyed their ungodly command, but Peter never went out and criticized the government that was over him. He never formed a revolt. He never spoke evil of them. He took patiently any of the retribution that they gave him, but he never, never, never obeyed any ungodly command. So submission and obedience are not the same thing. Submission is an attitude of the heart. It's something that you have to decide. 
And I tell you, there's a lot of pressure on women today to be independent, to look at their own worth, to recognize themselves as an individual apart from their mate. And God didn't call you to do that. God didn't call me to see myself as an individual apart from my wife. We're one. And there are extremes. There are abuses happening to women today. And I, I know that nobody in here has any of those problems. Amen. God sent me here to say this to the people that aren't here, right? So I'm convinced that somebody here needs this. And there are some women that have been under this pressure. And, and you need to go back to the Word of God. Man, I hadn't even scratched the surface this morning. There's so much that could be said. But I just mainly was trying to counter this attitude and, and recognize that, yes, there are restraints on all of us. I'm not saying that you can't have a ministry. I'm not saying there can't be women preachers, that women can't teach men, etc. I haven't got any problems with any of that stuff, but there are restraints on every last one of us. And don't just totally abandon yourself. Don't get caught up into this thing where you are, are going out and... and uh, looking at ministering to your husband and ministering to your children and staying at home as if you're wasting your time and destroying your talents. Boy, that's a deception of the devil. And because Satan has done that, we've got homes that are messed up. I don't see how children can turn out any different than they are today. Their parents have just abandoned them. Boy, a latchkey kid, there is, no, there is no excuse for something like that. If you can't be there when your kids are out of school, then you need to change what you're doing. I mean, something needs to change. That's wrong. A kid needs that attention. My wife was a latchkey kid, and she used to sit at home and just cry, and her parents never knew it. She never wanted to tell them. She used to just sit there and cry until they came home because she's so terrified. She had a friend that she'd go home with her sometimes, and that, that mother would always be there. She always had something that she fixed for the kids, cookies or something, and, and Jamie just cried and asked God why she couldn't have a family like that. You may think that your kids don't need you. They may not show it on the surface, but I guarantee you it's showing up in their lives. And I just don't see how kids can turn out any different when we treat them the way that we do today. Man, it's not the way that God ordained. We need to go back, and I don't care if you're called a chauvinist or whatever, or I whatever, we've got to go back and establish that, look, God made us, and God assigned certain roles to us. And if you don't like it, argue with God. Amen? Not with me, but God established certain standards. And you need to go back and find out what they are. And God didn't, didn't establish those standards to be oppressive. He established it because that's what you're fitted for. Those are the gifts and the talents that God gave you. And man, you need to use them. You need to excel in it. Amen? Praise God. I really believe that what Satan has done with the women in America has been a tremendous cause of the divorce rate, the children that we see today that are on drugs, dope, etc. A tremendous amount of it can come right back to the women. And of course, men have a tremendous amount to share with that too, but I'm saying women have their part to play in that. And women, you don't need to be influenced by the world. You need to stand strong and say, I mean, God could call you to do something else, but you don't need to be ashamed of being a wife and being a mother and being a housewife. And you don't need to look at it, and if somebody asks you, what are you? Well, I'm only a housewife. Man, that is the highest, most noble calling that God has ever given anybody. Amen. He may give you an additional calling, but there is nothing greater than that. There is nothing that will ever supersede it. And I tell you what, you're frustrating the grace of God when you go out and begin to start being something God didn't call you to be.
Amen. Y'all still love me? Amen. This is a good group. I felt I was among friends. But you know what I'm talking about. You say this to the wrong group of people, you could be in a world of hurt. Oh, you can criticize a minister and they'll love you and everything, but boy, you go talking against a woman's rights. You can be in a world of hurt in a hurry. Praise God. So anyway, this is just real brief this morning. I know there's a thousand things more that could be said, but I pray that you just pray about it and begin to go to God and let God show you some areas of your life. Let God show where maybe you've been influenced and you hadn't been aware of it. Maybe some of you have gotten to where the ministry that you have at home, you've forgotten some of the things we're talking about, and you haven't really looked at it, and it's been a long time since you were just praising God over getting to fold your husband's shirts. <laughs> well, you need to go back to that simplicity and recognize the blessing that God, what God's called you to do, and just enjoy it. Amen? And if you'll do that, I tell you, I believe God will minister to you. I believe you'll experience fulfillment out of it. If you're in a situation where you have to work, you're divorced or something, and there's no alternative, don't get condemned by what we're saying. The grace of God will help you to do anything. But recognize that that wasn't God's perfect plan. Recognize that, man, the situation you're in isn't God's best, you know, and, and, and encourage those who are in a situation where they can stay at home. Encourage people to live within their means instead of trying to keep up with everybody else and become the prosperous Americans, and they're going to have to sell their family down the tubes Praise God. Let me do this. Uh, we quit a little early. Uh, let me. Add, I'm. I'm going to open this up for like questions or comments, as long as they're nice comments. All right. <laughs> you might going to jump down my throat. I don't want to hear it. But I mean, if you got a question, if you got a comment, if you got something you can add or something like that, I'd like to hear it. Yes, ma'am. What is your viewpoint concerning what? Well, like, for instance, you can turn to Deuteronomy chapter 30, and it talks in that instance about a woman, uh, if she's at home with her father, and if she vows a vow, and if her father hears it and doesn't restrain her, then the vow that she's vowed will stand. And then it compares it to the woman who's married. If the woman who's married vows a vow, and if her husband hears it, and if he disavows it, she will not be held guilty because her husband has that much authority. But if her husband lets it stand, then she's held accountable for what she said. So anyway, a single woman... Uh, would be like under a parent. And if you don't have a parent, then I believe that you're directly under God. You're just operating as an individual. But uh, is that your situation? All right, well then, I, bl I believe that you could probably verify a lot of the things that we're talking about, that you're having to live in a situation that is not God's perfect will, and there are complications, and it's hard. It's not God's best. And, but you can believe God. I mean, like, I've been in a situation... I've been in a lot of weird situations. I went through Vietnam. That's not God's best for anybody, but I prospered through the whole thing. And, and so you're in a situation... That doesn't mean that a woman who's not in the perfect order that God established just has to suffer and you are never going to be as happy as somebody else. With the Lord, you know, the Bible says that the Lord will become your husband. Psalms chapter 27. If your father and mother cash you out, the Lord will take you. The Lord will become your husband, Isaiah chapter 54. And you can prosper... But it's just going to take you some real commitment. You're going to have to release your faith in that area. And whereas somebody else, it might be easier for them. It doesn't mean it won't work for you. You're just going to have to release your faith. It is a walk of faith. And it's not God's best. And a woman really is made to need somebody to lean on more than a man is. Like Jamie, I, I just use personal examples, but Jamie needs me around to encourage. I, she needs ten times the encouragement that I need. She really does. 
And I believe that God made a woman like that. A woman is more dependent on a man than a man is on a woman. And I'm not saying that to, to uh, discredit women any at all. It's the way that God made them. Because, see, you are, your ministry is much more directed towards the man than the man is. Like the anointing that God's given me is to go out and minister to people. And so I've got direction, ministry outside the home. Some women may, but most women, basically, their ministry is totally towards men. So therefore, God made you to where you needed a man and needed to depend upon that strength a lot more than a man needed the woman. Now, man needs woman. I'm not saying Everybody understand what I'm saying, okay? But I'm saying that a woman is more dependent in that area, and so it's going to be a step of faith. It's going to be a fight of faith to make it work. Uh, what do you think about Proverbs 31, 16? Is that out in the business world we're doing business? Proverbs chapter 16 is really good, and if I had time, I, you, know, you definitely should have dealt with that scripture because Proverbs chapter 31, verse 11 through the end of the chapter talks about a virtuous woman. My wife has a tape out on that subject. And a virtuous woman, when I'm saying that a woman's ministry is in the home, etc., that does not mean that all she does is wash clothes or wash dishes. I, like, I've got, a, I've got a woman in Shreveport, Louisiana, that had a desire to support ministries. And she, as a housewife, didn't have much. Her husband was a pastor of a church, and he, they were, went the first year or so without any uh, finances at all. And so they, they were struggling, and yet she had this desire to support ministries. And so what did she do? Well, God gave her a creative idea, and she started a cleaning agency. And in this cleaning agency, all she does is put... Uh, announcements up in washeterias and on things like this, put an ad in the paper. She got these women from her church to start working for her. Each woman gets paid $30 per house, cleans two houses per day, and so for the women, it's great for them, see, because they can choose to work one house, three hours, they can be back home by the time their kids get home. It's a perfect outlet for them, and yet I guarantee you, 30 or $60 a day for most women is not bad. And out of this, the woman who organizes it gets $15 per house. And so she had 10 women working for her, making $30 per woman per day. And she wound up making $300 a day by putting ads up on the uh, thing and doing this. And she's doing some things, but she did not have to neglect her home to do it. So a woman, Proverbs 31, shows a virtuous woman is a woman who has, I, I, she's out there, she's producing finances, she's doing things. I'm not saying that a woman shouldn't be involved, but I'm saying that everything you do has to center around your number one priority, and that's your ministry to your home. And a lot of homes have been destroyed because women didn't do it in the proper priority. Yes, sir. I would like to know your version of a widow that has uh, no relatives at all where she lives. I do have one relative, but he, he's not here. I would like to know your version of what a widow is supposed to do. I've had a lot of things in my life. I've been forced to work. There's been times when I've worked. It went against my grain. I had to do it. And um, I'd rather just have a home and be in a home. It, I, I've always felt just like you do. I just don't like to go out there in the world and pay. But I'm forced to because of the income that I have need of. And I would sure like to know your version of a witness. First Timothy chapter 5 is where the scripture deals with that. And in 1 Timothy 5, it says, first of all, let those, you know, uh, either a nephew or preferably son or daughter, and then if not son or daughter, nephew, somebody ought to be taking care of the widows. All right? And if they don't, they're worse than an infidel and have denied the faith is what the scripture says. In a situation where a woman, a widow, is not being taken care of by relatives, then the, the church should take in widows. And in the New Testament... 
the church became totally responsible for the financial well-being, the emotional well-being, all of these things of the widows. And if the New Testament church operated the way it should, it ought to do it today. And the church is not doing it. Our church is making some attempts in that area. We have a minister that is totally assigned to the widows. And he goes along and he takes them out to eat once a week or whatever. He checks on all of them. He ministers to them. If they have dire financial needs, the church will pay their needs. But it still isn't exactly the way that the scripture says. They don't take total responsibility for them. And uh, therefore, you're in a situation that if the church and the people of God were operating the way they should, you would not have to be out there doing it yourself. No. That's something like we were talking about submission. Submission is something you do. It cannot be done to you. And your children cannot be forced to take care of you. It's something that has to be in their heart. And if they aren't doing it, then you're going to have to just release your faith, work, do what you've got to do. And God will meet. I'm sure that you've seen a lot of miracles God meeting you need. And God will do it. But it's not God's best. And as long as we're in this world, we'll have to deal with situations where it's not God's best. But nonetheless, you'll have to do it. We're ideally... Hopefully, we're dealing with some things that will be preventative. Hopefully, we'll uh, prevent some of these things from happening again. But there are cases where it didn't work in the way it should. Right behind you, Kay. I give a testimony. Yes, ma'am. Um, this is not going to help her, but it might help the younger women. Now, when before I gave my life to the Lord, I was very sickly. And then when I gave my life to the Lord, God healed me. And then I went to work, and my husband said, no, come off the job. And we didn't have a lot of money, but I knew what the words say. And he had been saved, but at the time, he had left God. And I was looking at the natural circumstance. I said, he's going to get me off this job and go bad on me. And then the Lord said, are you trusting me or are you trusting the job? And I said, well, I'm going to. I know my place is in the home, and I went home. And I stayed there, and I was submissive unto my husband, although he wasn't saved. He didn't have me to get out the will of God or anything, but I did the duty of a wife. So my husband passed away six years ago. There I was left with no job, no husband. But I love God, and for six years I have not worked. God takes care of me, and it's not the money he left me either. <laughs> but I believe it came from me being obedient when I could have been working and shirking my duty as a wife and being at the will of God, but by me coming there doing without less things. And God taught me how to sew and make my own clothes. I did not know how to sew. He taught me how to do a lot of things. He taught me how to make recipes and when the money got short, how to stretch. And, and then I thank God I don't have to get out there now and bow the jobs. And they tell me it's hard out there. Mm -hmm. And I'm well taken care of, and I think I look pretty good. <laughs> God's got a better way. You know, my mother's a good example of this. My dad died when I just turned 12 years old, and she was, I think, 40. I'm not sure what she was. You remember Leon? This is my brother-in-law back here. <laughs> but she was, she was 40-something when my dad died. And she had never written a check, balanced a checkbook. She was at a total loss. 
My dad was vice president of Century Life Insurance Company over here in Fort Worth, and he left her something like $120,000 worth in stocks. And so she was pretty well uh, taken care of. The house was paid for, etc. But within a year after he died, the man who took over his position got caught floating cash and doing some things wrong. Century went bankrupt, and my mother lost $120,000 overnight. She was down to nothing. And she was a sixth grade school teacher, and she was making a salary, I think, of $6,000 a year. And uh, it just really was not enough. But did you know, see, God, the Bible says God has a special, he takes special care of widows and orphans. And if you'll just believe God, God will minister to those needs. And my mother got chosen out of everybody in the Arlington school system to go get a doctorate degree, or a master's degree, I guess it was. And it was this thing that she went just one year and she got a master's degree, came back and became a supervisor in the Arlington school system, increased her salary like five or six times over. And today her retirement is, I'm guessing, but I think it's around $2,000 a month retirement. And she's working for me in Colorado, lives in our office building, doesn't cost her anything to live there. And uh, I mean, she's working for us and doing all these things. And God has taken care of her supernaturally. And there was just no explanation. I tell you, God will meet your needs. And uh, she was faithful to do what God called her to do, and God's been faithful to meet her needs. Can you give me, like, some practical suggestions about just how... Okay, first of all, the Lord has opened the door for me to start a Bible study in my home just about three weeks ago. So I'm real thrilled about that because I feel like it's supposed to be an outreach to women in my neighborhood who are not in church or haven't come into the baptism. Okay, so I want to keep things in the right priority. And just to be truthful, I really have not seen that of taking care of my home and my and my husband and children as a ministry. And I want to know, like, can you give me some practical suggestions of just how I can really begin to see it and really comprehend it as a ministry because I did not have that kind of upbringing. And I'm not trying to blame my mother, okay? Mm-hmm. But she didn't put any emphasis on that as important at all. And I picked up a lot of her thinking. And I, I know what it's supposed to be. I know how I'm supposed to feel about it and the attitude I'm supposed to have. But it's like, I don't know, like a block or like, you know. I want to know how I can really begin to look at that as a ministry. Well, these are things that you have to be taught. Titus chapter 2 says that the aged women are supposed to teach the younger women to be chaste, discreet, keepers at home, obedient to their own husbands, etc. So it's something that has to be taught. Scripturally, if everything was working the way it should, the older women should teach the younger women. Bible study. Now, I'm not saying the woman has to deal totally only with the home, that that's the only thing women can have. I mean, you can teach on faith and on intercession and everything else, but an integral part of any women's group ought to be to teach the younger women the basics of what it really is to take care of the home. Like we've got uh, our elders in our church are having a special meeting March the 1st for all of the elders and their wives and, and deacons And the women are going to teach the others because we've got two deacons' wives that their husbands are embarrassed to tears over the way they keep their home. They were talking about, you know, the crud growing in the shower stalls and things like this. And women just aren't keeping care of it. And these women were raised that way, so they don't know any different. It's the responsibility of the older Christian women to teach the younger Christian women those things. And so, uh, like... Oh, the older women, like Jean, amen. No, I, I'm just kidding. But anyway, you ought to have, see, the, the instruction coming from godly women about how do you minister to your husband, about uh, 
You know, how do you take care of the house? What is a proper standard? How do you see all of these things as ministry? I can't answer that question in one. It needs to be taught. You need to find a godly woman, somebody that you really consider as being godly. And you need to go to them. And if they aren't teaching you, then go and ask them to teach you. Go and get that instruction from them. And then as you learn, pass the same thing on. I believe aged women is not just talking about age only, but maturity is what it's talking about. And if you're, if you're mature in the Lord at 40, 30, whatever, then you, you pass it on to somebody else that needs it. We can start that right now. Okay. <laughs> uh, on the thing of submission, I have found in, in years past that if you submit to your husband, even if you think he's wrong, uh, the Lord will bless you for it. Uh, when there's two people kind of at outs with one another and wanting to have their way in something, you know, and no one wants to submit, <laughs> it makes for a bad situation. But if you submit anyway, even if he's wrong, the Lord will bless you for it. Mm -hmm. You know, I can say this. When my wife, Jamie, if she is in rebellion towards what I want to do, I feel a compulsion to do it, whether I'm right or wrong, just to, to, to show that I'm the boss. But when she submits to me, I feel such a responsibility come on me about, man, am I really doing the right thing? I mean, it's not just me involved, it's Jamie. It makes me be more critical and analytical about am I really doing the right thing. But boy, if she bows me, it's male ego. A lot of you don't recognize this, but male have an inflated ego, and it's not all of the devil. I mean, God intends for a man to have an ego. Now, it's abused, I'll admit that. But nonetheless, you just challenge most men and you start bucking their authority and most men are going to do it just to prove to you that they can do it. And when you submit, that man will feel such a responsibility, such an accountability for you that you'll actually have him consider and be more sensitive to God by you submitting than you will by you criticizing, nagging. Amen. I would uh, just first say that I really thank God that you obeyed him this morning and gave this message because I've really been praying and seeking the Lord. I recently got fired very unjustly from a job, and I'm in the home. I got six weeks severance pay, so I've really been enjoying and asking the Lord to give me a teaching, a correct teaching on submission, and then I come, feel led to come over here and, and get it, so I was really excited so about that. So you're the one that's responsible for this. <laughs> All right. I've really been asking him, and he was showing me way before I lost my job, priorities, 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 priorities. And I think the job, the job, the job, he's saying priorities, priorities, priorities. And in, in the home and everything, and now he's just taking me one step at a time to show me the things that I need to learn. My question is this. What if you have a husband who is saved and, and goes to church occasionally, but he, and you want him to be the spiritual head because you know that that's the correct teaching but he's not really being the spiritual leader. And he says, well, we, I want to go to this church, but you feel like you'd like to go to a different church. Then do you go to the church that he wants to because he's the head of the house? It was a real revelation this morning to see the difference between submission and obedience. I think that was the real, you know, a clarity that I needed to find out. But what do you do? Are you going to be in the Lord's perfect will for your life if you go to the church that he wants you to go even though he's laying home in bed and you're the one going to the church? That's a hard question to answer. I will say this, that uh, if a husband forbid a woman to go to church at all, you've got scriptural grounds not to obey that because the Bible tells you not to forsake the assembling of yourselves together. And so you don't obey a husband to the exclusion of obeying God. But even then you don't do it in rebellion. 
you do it in a way that you, you tell him you love him and you're sorry, but you must obey God. But most women, uh, they get involved in the knitting circles, the gossip parties, etc. and stuff, and they're there every time the doors are open. I can tell you, you can, do, you can knock a lot of stuff out without forsaking the assembling of yourself together, stay home and minister to your husband. If you're in a situation where your husband's wanting you to go to church, even though it's not the best church, as long as he's wanting to go to church, uh, I think I'd go. Go to that church whether he does or not. Well, now, if he's not going, uh, then I would just sit down and ask him, say, look, if you don't go, can I go someplace else? And hopefully he would respond uh, positively to it. Uh, but as far as, like, trying to get the man to be the spiritual head, that is not something you dictate. And if a woman ever comes up and criticizes him for not being the spiritual head and says something about you aren't taking your authority, again, uh, you'll see that man. And I, I can't explain all of this, but I know that it happens, and you can agree with it. When you start criticizing a man for not being something, he'll tend to get even worse in that area just to show you that he's not going to buckle under and let you become the boss. And so, if you ever criticize him for that, you're in trouble. The way that I would see for a woman to really build the man up and get him into spiritual headship is to come to it, and in whatever area you can. I mean, if he's only got one thing, he's right on. Man, submit to that guy. Love him and build him up and begin to encourage him. And in other areas, as long as it's not a direct violation of God, let him have the responsibility and let him make mistakes. If women would be willing to let their husbands make mistakes, they, they'd learn by them. But most women aren't. They're going to sit there and rather than letting him do something wrong, they'll chime in and, and, and begin to take the leadership and it'll never work. You've got to let them make mistakes. And so I would... Here's a comment on that same thing, I think. I had the exact same situation a couple of years ago and uh, the Lord began to deal with me to move from the church that we were in and my husband was going to the church but he wasn't on the call. Well, immediately when I started making these signs towards wanting to leave, he got real involved in the church and, you know, said, you know, no, we're not leaving. Well, I got real rebellious at first. And I'd go to church and I was, here I was, you know, during the day I was praying to the church, reading the Word and really getting into the Word. But I'd go to church and I was so against what was being taught there and felt it was so detrimental to my family that I did, I wanted out of it. But I would sit on the back and I would just boil over inside and I almost wanted to get up and walk out when the preacher would get up to preach. And I got into rebellion. And finally, the Lord really dealt with me about it. And finally, I said, okay, God. I said, I know we need to be out of this church. I know you, know you know that we need to be out of this church, but my husband's just getting more and more involved instead of us leaving. I said, I'm just going to turn him over to you. And the day that I said that, within a week, my husband, I didn't say another word to my husband. I didn't pressure him. I said, I've been putting so pressure on him to leave. I didn't say another word. I just got in. I decided, if I'm going to stay at this church, I'm just going to do what I can do where I'm at. And I got real involved and went into a week or two weeks, my husband at the Sunday table, we came home from church and he said, I'm turning in my resignation for all my positions at the church tonight. And I was so surprised. I mean, I had so totally turned it over to the Lord. I was really surprised. And I said, and then what are we going to do? I mean, you know, here I have been wanting to go to this other church all the time. But, and he says, well, we'll go to this other church if you think that's where we ought to go or whatever. God wants us to do this. Amen. So, it works. <laughs> it's all an attitude. I, I agree with that. And also, let me say this, that women in this area, there is no reason that you should have to flounder spiritually. I don't care if you go into a totally dead church because there's radio, there's television, there's groups like this that you can come to 
And most of you are in a situation where you do not have to depend on one or two services a week to get your spiritual food. And you could submit to that man and love him and build him up and still uh, go somewhere else. Let's ask this one. Uh, when my husband and I first married, well, well, before we married, well, he would go to church with me. I was uh, going to the Baptist church at that time, and I was a member of the Baptist church and taught Sunday school. And he would be in my class, and my son come and be in the class while, that I was teaching. And the letters I would get from him, he said, who knows? I, his background was Church of Christ. And, but he was uh, what you call out of duty at the time. <laughs> but... Uh, he um, would write me letters and say, Who, uh, well, you may make a Baptist out of me yet. But we married, nothing doing, but we went to Church of Christ. <laughs> I submitted and I went on with him to the Church of Christ. And, uh, well, I guess it was about ten years ago. He got the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And he was let go out of the Church of Christ. So now we're Baptists. <laughs> Just patience. It takes Sorry. a while. Huh? It works. Let's make this the last question right here, okay? We could probably go on forever. Or this is a comment. All right. Okay, we were going to another church about a year and a half ago from the one we are now. And I really felt at home there and felt like that's where we belonged and everything. But my husband started getting very unhappy there. And he just didn't feel like he had a place there. He, he really wanted to leave. And he began talking about going to this other church. And I really bucked it. I mean, I really was in an attitude of rebellion about it. I was sure he was wrong. And I went to the Lord and I said, Lord, I just really don't feel like we're supposed to leave where we are. Well, over a long period of time, finally, it just wore me down. Because, you know, my husband kept insisting in his nice way. He's not a real, a, you know hateful type of person, but in his nice way, he just kept saying, I really feel like we're supposed to go to this other church, and he more or less insisted in a gentle way, so we went ahead and went, and I really have to admit, I was in a real attitude of rebellion, just like she was talking about for the first week or two, but mine turned out different, because I was sitting back there, and the Lord broke me, and he began to really deal with me about my attitude, that I really, you know, was not submitting from my heart, like he's talking about, and so um, God didn't change his mind, but he changed my mind. And I mean, we're, we're in this church now that we went to through my husband's leadership, and I'm extremely happy there. I can see now that if I were at the other church, that we would have been totally wrong. Because as it's turned out, a lot of things have come up and everything that I can see that we would have got right in the middle of it, and a lot of problems would have developed and everything. So God in his wisdom knew exactly what he was doing. And I just thank God for his going on and being strong in that leadership and insisting, even when I was, I was in an attitude of rebellion, but... God has opened up doors and given me so many areas to just reach out and, and to just, I don't know how to describe it. It's like things have begun to just blossom out inside of me since we've been going where we are now. And so God knew, you know, and I just wanted to share that. Just as, But in, in the case where she's talking about where the husband himself doesn't go, but he's telling her to go, that's, well, I don't know about that, but I'm just saying that if it's the case where the husband is going with you, I strongly feel like that you let him lead in that area. You know, I really believe that uh, uh, male ego is a fact of life, and we could have talked about that a long time, but you women can use that to your advantage. Like when you, got, when you were engaged, you were the most helpless, pitiful little thing. 
I mean, that man just had to do everything. You couldn't open the car door for yourself, etc. And you know what that did? Boy, that just got that male ego going on your side, like this woman needs me, see. But then when you get married, it all turns around. And, you know, something between my wife and me, it's never been a real big thing, but I mean, I, when I was a kid, one of my responsibilities was carrying out the trash. And it was never, would you carry out the trash? It was, carry out the trash. And when I got away from home, I guess that was a real sense of freedom for me. No longer did anybody make me carry out the trash. And after we got married, my wife started saying, carry out the trash. And she didn't say it mean, but it was just, I don't know, it's just something in me that it, I never was asked to carry out the trash. I was told to carry out the trash. And you know, that just bugged me to no end. And, uh, you know, it doesn't have to be that way. You can come up to your husband and say, oh, honey, you're so strong, you know, and this trash is so heavy and it's so cold outside, and would you please? You could play on that male ego instead of fighting it, instead of rebelling towards it. And if you just use your head, that's how you got the man in the first place. If you would continue by the same thing, you can use it to your advantage. Amen. It's something you got to learn to live with, and you can use it to your advantage. Amen. Not to do that now. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's not very. That's manipulating your husband. Oh, well, no. you manipulated him to get him in the that's first right. place. There's nothing. <laughs> he ran and the so man, fast we caught him. <laughs> and the man knows you're manipulating him the whole time. It doesn't matter. <laughs> well, praise God. Praise I've got God. some tapes on submission. If you, uh, I didn't mention submission very much, but mm -hmm. I've got a tape, a 90-minute teaching tape that will explain. Some of the things we've talked about, if any of you have questions on that, my wife has a tape on the virtuous woman and child training and a lot of, I got a whole marriage relationship, about 15 tapes in a marriage series that would help you if you have any questions on that. I didn't teach what I taught this morning very much. Like I said, I'm really hesitant about that. We hope that your heart has been quickened by hearing the Word of God through this message. Remember, Andrew Womack Ministries operates a helpline that you can call for prayer and information at 719-635-1111. We have a ministry website at www.awmi.net, and you can write the ministry at P.O. Box 3333, Colorado Springs 80934. Until next time, we pray that you will reach out by faith and receive everything that is yours through God's grace.